Get Into Geek. This is episode 178. We are talking Stargate SG-1. My name is Mitch. Joining me, as always, Matty Gibson. Well, hello. And look, that's it this week. We're a two-man show. Um, but look, we just had to sit down and just get something done, Matthew, because my Christ, look, if you're listening live, if you're not listening live, this means nothing to you. But if you are listening live to us, we can do nothing but apologize. And I know it's the umpteenth time. You know, here we were 12, nearly 12 months ago saying, this COVID thing, I don't want to be dark. This is going to be great for the podcast because we're just going to be able to be comfortable in our own homes, record at our own pace, at our own time for as long or short as we want. We don't have to book studio time at my radio station. None of this. We're going to be able to get so much more done. And we've gotten far less done yeah. than we ever could have conceived. And that's that's considering Brendan and I did high school together, sitting next to each other, <laughs> like barely passing grades. Even our grade 12 selves would be surprised at how little we've done in the last 12 months. But mm. in particular, I know we had Christmas to deal with and New Year's and all this sort of shit. So we've arguably had holiday time, but we haven't had a podcast yeah. in a while. And uh, we do apologize to anyone listening. Based on my old calendar, by 2021, we were ready to start like season nine of SG-1 and season two of Atlantis. You were saying that from the beginning of last year. You're like, this is going to work out perfectly now that we're doing chronological and we're going one for one with atlantis and sg1 we're going to end the year with our rankings we're going to start 2021 fresh with season nine and season two and look we got a bit of work to do to be honest uh, <laughs> not, not not quite had that sort of success so um anyway yeah, the best laid plans yeah so uh yeah look here we are we just had to get it done as as we said we we're a two-man show brendan's not here um but we we just couldn't find a time where and you know brendan's a busy guy he's like you know we joke around him being a father of two but he's actually doing a very father of t- married father of two thing he's moving into a new house that they've built so he's actually got some real world shit that he's got to deal with and you know anything's popping up that's actually keeping him from doing the podcast and you know that happens to be him actually have a good job at the same time as well so for anyone who might remember i think i want to say anyway that it's the last time you and i did an episode just the two of us was grace i think um, so which itself was wrought with the controversy uh because we dare possibly point out a few things that we didn't like with an episode mm. that had two female leads and all of a oh, sudden look, we're was, misogynist prats. there was a conversation about just like not letting you tweet anything on the on the gate you know accounts anymore just you know you're just too controversial mate was that led by Brad Wright? Because I know we had a bit of a run in <laughs> what, six or eight weeks ago for anyone who well, was no, following that. That, that made us bring the conversation back up again. Um... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I really should lose that job, except for the fact that it's just my part of my role with the Get the Gate team. And in my real world, my real life, that I actually get paid to do a job, um, that is part of my role, yeah. is posting on social media. So you'd think that I would actually know what I'm doing and yet I don't. Well, you you upload the podcast, so it makes sense. It makes sense. You well. upload the podcast, so you know when the post needs to be done. Like we, like mm-hmm. me, I'm I'm as you know uh, in the loop as everyone else is. I just see a post, and I go, oh, there's an episode up. Like I have no yeah. idea. Like I was like, <laughs> okay, sweet, there's an episode. Uh-huh. You know, Mitch is on the ball this week. So it makes interesting. Wouldn't it makes sense so. for you to for you to do the socials posts. You just what's what's the wanky um, industry term? You're creating engagement. Oh, Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> Slap me if I ever legitimately say that. But uh, we are, though, here to talk about full 
alert. So we're talking episode 14 of season 8 of Stargate SG-1. Let's jump over into the synopsis about the episode, see what it is, and then we'll just throw it over to you, Maddie, and see what we thought. <laughs> when O'Neill finds the door to his home forced open and former Vice President Robert Kinsey waiting for him inside, his first instinct is to call the police. But he changes his mind and allies himself with Kinsey when he learns that the rogue organization known as the Trust plan to ally themselves with the Russian government. It says with an exclamation mark. Uh, now, <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. Written by Joe and Paul, considering most of this takes place shocked. on Earth. And directed by uh, Andy Makita. So Ooh. some, you know, some pretty solid um, SG-1 content creators uh, at the, uh, at the, at the <laughs> helm of this episode. <laughs> so Matty, uh, look, you know, Kinsey, it's going back old school. We're going like, you know, we're going some long-term, long-gestating relationships and problems and story arcs, maybe, from uh, for SG-1 going back to season one uh, with Kinsey. But uh, also, here we are in season eight. Does it still work? Do you like it? What did you think of Full Alert? Oh look! If if I like, I, I want to pull out the soundboard and play my bum 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 bum, <laughs> but it's like, it's not as bad as that. But it's also like, it's just not worth it. Like this is just such a like a, yeah, yeah. It's mm. fine. Like it's not bad. It's not bad in any way, shape, or form. But it's no. just like, oh, okay, all right, next. I think for me as someone who hasn't rewatched them as much as you or Brendan and I again probably haven't seen this one since it would have aired initially uh what back in 04 05 it was very enjoyable to rewatch because I was pretty much watching it for the first time uh in many ways like I actually I don't know for me it was it was refreshing in a way to go there are still some real on ground on earth threats post these big galactic wars and not to the same extent at all and i hate that okay look brendan's not here so i'm not going to get called out on it uh, as i rightly should but in the same way i'm going to do a marvel reference here the same way that say captain america the winter soldier a very you know government political sort of and, and that's not just because why i'm drawing the parallels but it was very much an, a boots on the ground real world issue that you go, hang on, weren't two movies ago we fighting an alien threat from the head of that had traveled through a wormhole from the other side of the galaxy that are working for this like evil dictator of some sorts and the world is being invaded by an army? Like they've they've reached that level and then yet they're still able to very successfully in the Marvel franchise, certainly, especially for us because we love Winter Soldier, found a way to make a very real world, you know, um, you know, shady rogue organizations and um, and and mole agents and stuff and and you know again World War Two Nazis and stuff. It was very on the ground, real world threat stuff that would still exist if they'd never dealt with big alien stuff. Now, obviously, this does exist in full alert because of the alien business, but it was to do with Russia. And, mm. you know, even without, I think, the the Gould interaction and the fact that there was a, you know, as we get revealed right at the end, oh, by the way, a Russian uh, high official has been a Gould possibly for years. Um, I still think it works as being a Russia a finally going, this america running this bullshit we need to step up and we you know there's there's a threat of nuclear war here so i kind of appreciate that they still can i don't know with a lot of confidence write an episode like this and make it still feel actually globally threatening when you go hang on there's like three different types of aliens out there 
that would love to eradicate us but we still have to be worried about Russia. Mm. So for that, I really liked it. Uh, and just for the Kinsey involvement. But at the same time, I think, yeah, there is that lingering feeling a little bit um, that you go, oh, this is good. This is this is good. It's not great. And I feel like maybe it really could have been. And maybe again, at the time, first watch, um, even for me and for you back then, it was it probably was better. But now in the rewatch and you know where you've come from and you can see where you're going it maybe doesn't stand out as much. Yeah, there were there were no bad scenes in it. Each individual kind of story element and scene was really enjoyable, but it just kind of ended on a really flat note. Like, mm. it didn't kind of go anywhere. In very much, like, I mean, you got your, your Avengers reference. I'm going to use my, I'm going to use my Star Trek reference, which is, it felt very much like the original series Trek where they couldn't afford all the CGI, so they just talk about all the things that are happening. And you just have to believe yeah. that it's... Ha- and I felt like that's what this episode was. It was... We were seeing all the bits in the movie, uh, like, except for the action. Like, it's like it's like a movie yeah. that they cut all the action scenes and all the expensive CG scenes out of. And all we saw were the exposition scenes in between mm. all the cool stuff that was happening. So that was... that was. I almost feel like it's a weird episode title, Full Alert. I feel it should have just been called, like, DEFCON. Because I feel like this episode mm. was purely written just to like show off their defcon lights yeah, like yeah. It, i feel like that's like everything every act break seemed to end with okay we're going down one more defcon number and then i don't know i kind of i feel like they just they ran out of ideas on what to do with like evil government departments it's like we had the nid and we've defeated the nid so now there's the trust and they kind of run out of what to do with the trust so now they're like okay well now the trust are gua wool we're gonna we're gonna put a symbiote or we're gonna insinuate we've put a symbiote in all of the trust's heads Mm. fade to black and it's like yeah oh really and i mean spoiler alert (laughs) i've got to say that a lot of spoiler alert (laughs) we don't though for what (laughs) We don't really get a resolution to this by the end of this season. So it's like, mm. had the show actually finished in season eight like it was going to, like, what... We got no resolution to this. Like... Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's funny. I always remember this episode as the one where Kinsey dies. Mm. But then, spoiler alert, it's left really unended. It's like, he's mm. in the Peltac of the Alkesh. He's fumbling around trying to follow the, the you know he's got a gould in his head. He's fumbling around trying to get the like the beam out device from where, and then the the scene cuts away, and then it cuts back you know a minute later, and the other trust Guawul are coming into the into the Peltac of the Alkesh, and he's not there. I totally mm. forgot that scene existed. So it's obviously yeah. means he's he's either run to the rings or he's beamed out, and he's but it's like and I'm going is the Alkesh close enough to Earth at that point to be able to him to beam out or yeah. could he have beamed to a cloaked bloody um cargo ship like and and spoiler alert for for kinsey this is that's it we never see kinsey again that's it mm. which is why i think yeah. in my head he died that he dies he's always yeah. but this is it and so it kind of leaves that that unrequired it's you know it's like you know it's just like four hours of sex and then no nut like it's just you kind of just left just like oh okay what yeah what, what now like you, you want me to finish myself off like what are we doing here yeah i, I 
like it was actually one of my final notes um was about kinsey and it was like is, is it kind of a fitting end i mean i've got end ish um <laughs> but even granted that we don't see him again um a fitting end for kinsey and the fact that he does become a ghoul host by the end of it um i mean we we miss that moment where it happens but i guess it works to be a you know big shocking reveal for the episode and um and for our main characters but i don't know i kind of appreciate it. it was like yeah that was always where you were going to kind of end up in, mm. in a way that something bad was going to happen to you because since the first moment you ever come on the show you have been ignorant to how good these guys are that we follow week to week and yes they might not do things by the book but it's because there is no book to follow for the situations that they get themselves into and they're great ad-libbers right they they're, they're thrust into situations and other wars between other aliens and stuff but then it has an impact on us and they have to act within a moment and they don't have time to hang on a second Tokra and and Gould I'm just going to travel back to Earth and talk to Hammond so he can go and talk to the Pentagon that they can talk to the to the President we don't have time to go through the channels and every argument they've had along with Kinsey and him trying to backstab them with getting involved with um, who were the trusts before they were the trust the, um, the, the, NID. the rogue agents of the NID right yeah. like he's just been an absolute pain in their ass throughout the whole series which I guess that I know that that, that was his point but he just he never respected the danger and and always thought that he could do a better job or that he could put people in the job that would do it better than the SGC does uh, mm. or the current members of the SGC whether they be Hammond whether they be O'Neill and and the SG1s of the of of the company and so he gets himself in this little situation because of all these shady dealings in the past and very quickly he becomes a Gould host. He becomes the one thing that he thought he could have always prevented was the Gould invasion and infestation of Earth. And I'm like, you know what? Conserves your right, you old prick. You know, I just felt like it. In a way, it was a very fitting end to his story arc that he became that. Yeah, I I guess because obviously I've I've always loved to hate Kinsey ever since. You know, dare I say it, politics. Um. <laughs> I my my dream ending for Kinsey was always like him being like tortured to death by like a Baal or an Apophis, and then it's like RSG one gonna like can SG one save him in time? And it's like and if they don't save him in time, he's tortured to death by Apophis and he's dead. Or if they do save him in time, he like owes his life to SG one, and we finally bring him round and he sees mm. like he sees it all firsthand rather than just reading their reports. So that was kind of my like my dream wish for how the Kinsey story sort of ended up. And it's like there was so much opportunity to still be able to do a version of that with him having now being a host. It's like how many hosts have we saved already? Mm. You know, mm. the Togra can can take him out quite easily now. So it's like imagine if yeah, he had been an advers an, like a Gould adversary for a couple of episodes and then we get him back or whatever. And he finally like learns a bit of humility. I mean, yeah. I mean, they could have quite easily gone the other way and him been an even bigger dick. Like, mm. really would have subverted expectations. Like, if they wanted to, you know, do that kind of writing, I would have loved, yeah, some kind of resolution to that. But yeah, you know, it is what it is. Well, you mentioned before about resolutions like this. It was such a quick, abrupt ending. Like, I I want to say honestly. 45 seconds before the first credit rolled 
we were still at threat of nuclear war. Yeah. And I'm like, it's like, oh, oh shit, there's, a, there's, a, there's a firefight in at one of the silo tubes, blah, blah, yeah. you know. I was waiting for, the, for I'm like, I wanted to go and get my, you know, DVD or to flick to the next episode. The information on, on Stan where I was watching, I think, this particular episode at the time, going, oh, what's the next episode? Because this is obviously part one of a two-part episode, even if they've got different names like they often do. Oh, I, I forgot about that. Oh, that's crazy. Was I supposed... To, did did Maddie tell me that I was supposed to watch two episodes so we could do a double up? <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, no, oh, no nuclear war. Oh, we got the message. I'm like, no, I, I, I don't feel like they wasted any time throughout the episode. And like you said earlier, they no scene is bad. Every individual scene works. And the whole Ooh. episode works overall and together. But Christ, it just it just it just ended. It just wrapped up. And it just it every moment where you went back to the SGC and you've got O'Neill, you got the Russian general there, uh, or whatever he is, Colonel, I forget I forget the rank that he, uh, that he holds. It was just getting further and further up and worse and worse and worse. And like you said, it should have been called DEFCON. And because every moment you saw O'Neill on screen, it seemed like he was going, We're going to DEFCON three. Now we're going to DEFCON two. Mm. It just kept rising and kept rising. Uh, and I'll probably touch on that a little bit later because that that to me like O'Neill wasn't as O'Neill as maybe I would have liked him for for a lot of this episode. But the threats felt real, like I was saying before too. It, it this threat of the on ground stuff, just the nuclear war stuff. Don't worry about the Gould in orbit and taking control of a guy who was once vice president of America. But everything felt real, and the escalation felt very natural, and the the, the pace of everything was great. And then all of a sudden, it was like they realized, hang on, we're not going to have as much time as we need to wrap this up. Do we sacrifice some of the story or do we just cut the cord and end it? And that was the option they went for. And it was just, yeah, yeah it just felt like a real... And maybe maybe that does have a subconscious sort of... I don't know, in, in hindsight, maybe I do feel a bit strange about the entire episode because of the way that it ended. Maybe for 42 and a half minutes, I'm like, this is pretty cool. But then bang, it ends. You're like... Yeah. I didn't get the resolution, so therefore the journey was kind of a bit sketchy. And it's, it's and that's a very not fair, but... it's a very common uh, thing this season for this like for season eight. I feel like it's been a recurring theme of these just like open ended sort of episodes, like you just kind yeah. of just really end abruptly. But it's funny because I was listening to the audio commentary, and it's like even the cast were just like trying to finish the episode really quick. <laughs> in one of the final scenes where you see it's like it's in you know Stargate Command, and they're getting all the information. And, like, Carter's over in the corner, like, doing her best Ohura, like, you know, like, touching her earpiece, going, oh, this is happening, this is happening. <laughs> and then they shot it a particular way, because Amanda had to go. She had a doctor's appointment. She had to go. So they've, they've, <laughs> they've, they've, they've changed the scene. So she was over there, and then O'Neill says, oh, go and do this. And she gets up and walks out, and she left. Like, that's... that. Wow. She just... When you see her walk out, she walked out, out. And she went to her doctor's appointment or whatever it was. What the hell? So it's like, even the cast are just like, wrap this shit up. I have places to be. You know, I, I said before the end-ish for Kinsey, but my last note was about it being a very quick wrap-up. Kisilev, the uh, the Russian guy that they go, oh, he's, you know, two steps down from the president and, uh, and he's been a ghoul for years. He doesn't wear glasses anymore. I feel like we just kind of like, even though so much of the episode was about finding who this potential mole was, and now oh, there is a mole, and hang on, it's this Kisilev, and oh shit, what's. And then bang, the episode just kind of forgot about him because mm. we averted nuclear war. And I'm like, what happened to him? I want to find out that 
the Russian guy that we've got at the SGC has called the right people to take him into custody or that he will go do something even if we don't actually see him make the call that he says we've got things happening or I'm going to go make this happen and we're going to get him there was just nothing about Kislev come the end of this episode once we found out that he doesn't wear glasses anymore he's definitely a ghoul I'll be starting a war okay forget about the ghoul stop the war and then like you said episode ends and all these little other characters left dangling over us these little story threads that have not been yeah. wrapped up it's, it's well it's kind of like the the end of star wars like the end of um return of the jedi where it's like okay the emperor's dead and darth vader's dead everyone's celebrating and it's like there's still these giant armies of imperial soldiers <laughs> everywhere what's <laughs> happening with them and it's the yeah. same thing here it's like yeah they they found a guy who like you know a russian guy that like had some other soldiers that were able to like you know stop the, the nuclear war. But it's like, yeah, but what about Kisilev? Like, he's a Guaul. Yeah. He's not just, you know, just a, any random sort of Russian general. They're not going to know that. Yeah. They're not going to have that kind of clearance. And then even, even um, you know, Daniel's a lopsider. The um, Colonel Vorokonovna, or whatever her name was. There was kind of no resolution to her either. Did um, did you see the little, the little... Well, I feel like it's... We're the kind of nerds that it would annoy us, but did you see the mm. little sort of geeky comic book references in this episode? Oh, sorry, actually, no, Do you tell. wouldn't have. You wouldn't have seen them, because uh, apparently it was just in the script. It wasn't something that was that was mentioned. Mm. But the, um, the, the three trust guys, when Kinsey gets taken to that little sort of, you know, lodge or whatever it is, and he's in front of those three guys, in the script they're called Mr. Parker, Mr. Kent, and Mr. Wayne. I like their <laughs> cover names. Yeah. And I'm like, that's great, but you got two DCs and a Marvel. No. Yeah, <laughs> don't no. mix up, guys. Well, the guy that was in the chair, it was like they were going out of their way to not show his face, but to show his hand and like a little button. And I'm like, are they trying to blowfeld Dr. Evil, this guy? Like, we're just not going to see his face for a little <laughs> while, but he's like the unknown leader of the trusts. And he's got like the little button that's going to open up the, uh, you know, open up the floor trap and send him down to the dungeon or something. And it was, you know, just good, I guess, that those guys got what was coming to them too. Like, same with Kinsey, but like these guys actually had that next step where they were trying to take on an alien ship, you know, find the one that was orbiting thanks to um, old Marty. Um, they're trying to take his ship and then they actually get into a ship and you know zip off into you know bloody hyperspace like they're gone and they come back and it's like oh you went there to try and escape from us and you come back because you've been taken over by a ghoul like you get what you guys deserve as well so there was a lot of that going on in this episode which i kind of like because not that we've ever not been behind the members of sg1 and the sgc but it was just kind of nice that these guys you know we got more justification for believing in the main characters no they actually do know what they're doing we're not just trusting them because the show has mm. them as the top build actors or anything but these guys are taking these drastic steps and making these ridiculous moves that don't make any goddamn sense in the grand scheme of things and they you know what are you gonna get taken over by a ghoul and what happened you got taken over by a ghoul so f a lot of you you can all shoot each other in the ship <laughs> and betray each other and all that sort of stuff so for that i actually really i actually did really like it as well so just such a mixed bag it's weird talking about it. like every i think i feel like every point that we're bringing up it's like oh this is really disappointing this is really good and back and forth back and yeah. forth so i um, mean Teal'c in his Escalade with his strike team. I mean, what's not to love with that? <laughs> he was living his best life. 
this might test you because I know both of us watched this episode a lot earlier than today's recording session. The the Russian colonel though, or the you know, I keep saying colonel or general. Uh, there are more ranks than that. I understand that. The guy yeah. that was like head of the group that was waiting at the road that arrested Daniel and took him back in and started interrogating him. I don't know whether you can Mike picture Dupont. him at the. Okay, has he been on this show before? I don't just know him from a thousand other no, things. No, this this is his first appearance on Stargate, uh, but he okay. goes on to play a number of characters in Stargate, and he's quite a, a well, like a prominent Canadian actor. He's been in a lot of a lot of stuff. Okay, I think he started yeah. out as like a, he's one of those guys that started out as like a um, stuntman, and then sort of you know transferred into 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 acting and all that kind of thing. But, yeah, okay. um, but yeah, he does an episode in season 10, I want to say, of SG-1, plays a different character, and has a, a fairly decent arc on um, Universe as well, Stargate Universe. Okay. I mean, it's not really a shot in the dark when you consider what season 10's got going on in it. Is he like... Is he like prominent Ori type-ish character? Do you remember Bad Guys? Oh, no. Or whatever it was no. called? No. Oh, okay. Plays like a bounty hunter. Yeah, I just I couldn't tell whether he'd been in this show before, and so I've, I've remembered him from this rewatch so far, or he's just like you said, a prominent actor that lives where they film a whole bunch of shit, and I've seen him in a thousand other things. And then too with his accent, I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's not Russian, but that's like it's not an overplayed Russian accent. Like I think you know, except for a, a couple of words, it sounds you know, it's it's pretty subtle. It's pretty good. Yeah. Just to go back, he was uh, he was a prison guard in Deadpool two. He was in Days of Future Past um, in there, and I think what you might recognise him as is he did a six episode arc on Arrow in season five where he played Victor, Victor with a K. Oh, of course. I mean, if you're Victor with a C, you're English. But if you're Victor with a K, you're absolutely Russian absolutely or Eastern European Russian. or something. Yeah. He was uh, he was the Kremlin. Geez, he plays a lot of Canadian and, and Russian. He was a Kremlin subcellar hallway guard in Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. You know what? That actually might be where I recognise him from. That scene—I don't know whether you'd remember it—but that scene where he actually, like, I think that was a great ad for Apple. He basically pulls out his iPhone, hooks it up to a giant screen, and it. It, you know, someone's looking down a hallway and it will show them what is beyond it. Like the cameras are behind the little green screen they've got up. And I'm, oh my God, I'm horribly describing that scene. I reckon that's where I remember him from. Oh, and he, he is in, um, he is in Atlantis as well. He does, he plays two different characters in, in Atlantis, which I didn't realize. I forgot about those. Oh, I, I, um, I tell a lie. He has actually been in earlier episodes of, um, SG1. You know what I like about that is that there's probably been like, I don't know, a hundred listeners going screaming at us going, Oh yeah, like when I go, Has he been in an earlier episode? And someone's like, Um, here's here's Maddie. Maddie's about yeah. to drop some knowledge saying yes, and you go, No, he hasn't. Well, it's I'm um, just looking their their background it's like Jafar Guard, Jafar Warrior, um, Urondan soldier, like so like he was like remember the um the, the underground space Nazis in season four in the other side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like one of those white like the Aryan guards in there and then, you know, he was like a Jafar in Within the Serpent's Grasp and a Jafar in that that pivotal season two episode, Family with Ryak. I tell you what though, that's kind of a confusing bunch of characters. Like with when you consider who he is in this episode, that he is this, you know, he's a he's a Russian soldier with a higher rank than a lot of others that we see. And as the episode goes on, we begin to suspect that maybe someone in the Russian government or military has been taken over by a gould 
if you recognize him as being a Jafar whatever, I mean, take away the, the, the head symbol, you could have jumped to a conclusion going, holy shit, they're worried about a Russian... This guy is a Jafar. I've seen him in a bunch of episodes. Like, you could have made that connection. And it would be completely false, just based on the fact that he's been in, you know, seventeen different background characters I, before. If if Peter DeLuise was doing this episode, I wouldn't be surprised because he'd totally do a reference to um, Jack Nicholson as the Joker, where it's like they'd paint the Jafar symbol on him and then put makeup yeah. over it, and then you'd see him wipe <laughs> off the makeup to you know to expose his Jafar tattoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be very, very <laughs> cool. I would like that. I would like that very much. Um, a fun bit of trivia that I know is correct in this episode <laughs> um, is this is Gary Jones's 76th appearance in uh, Stargate SG-1. Odd number to reference. But what it mm. does is he now has taken the lead from Terrell as the guest star who has appeared in the most amount of episodes. So when um, Dr. Fraser was killed off, she'd done 75 episodes. So now that Gary has done 76 he holds from now on. He holds the record as like from this episode. He holds the record as the most uh, most episodes for a non lead in uh, in Stargate. Well, I know that she only died a season ago, but it feels kind of crazy that it's taken this long for him to take over that. But at the same time, I think only through this rewatch did I realize how little he appeared in a lot of the earlier seasons. Like well, you know, he would like appear was... in. Season two or season three, he was yeah. gone for an entire season, and we didn't even realize yeah. at the time. I think yeah. I think that was and how the Walter Diaries were created because we were wondering what he was doing that whole time he was gone. I uh, create, I uh, found, not created, found. We we discovered them, <laughs> uh, the Walter Diaries. No, you're right. Like I, I, I was kind of disappointed because, you know, Walter's kind of like our guy, and here we were at the start of the podcast telling Reese, "Hey, Walter's awesome. Just just watch Walter. He's so great. Oh my god, you're gonna love him." And then he would be in three episodes, and then not for sixteen, and he'd come back for one, and we wouldn't see him for ten, and then yeah, all of season three or whatever, he's just not there, and you're like, "No, no, no, he's gonna be great. He's a fan favorite. Don't worry." And I'm like, "There's nothing to get excited about back then." But all of a sudden now, he's like, "Yeah, outside of the main." five i guess you would say uh is that he's the next one in line so that's kind of cool mm. you don't have how many he ended up doing um, uh throughout he ended the entire up doing season. over 100 i think even 200 might have been his hundredth or something like that some weird bit of trivia like that at least they found ways like as they've gone on to like always have him there and it's it, you know it kind of borders on well hang on his job even the job that he joked about in heroes part one uh I don't see him delivering the briefings to Hammond or all the other little bits and pieces that he did. Like, he was just there to manually operate the iris if need be and to do the chevrons and the locking and yada, yada, yada. Like, I don't see him as taking on the roles of, you know, being second to Hammond's command or anything like that. But it was just mm. so much fun to have him there. It's like, well, have him be the one that delivered this news or have him be the one to be in this particular room and have a throwaway gag or anything. So it's like, it doesn't make sense. I think it was sense. a great idea turning him into like Radar O'Reilly for O'Neill. Yes. I think that was a really great yeah. idea. And they do lean more heavily into that. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking up and I'll, I'll uh, insert a spoiler alert warning in here for you. But he appears in 109 episodes of Stargate SG One. <laughs> uh, I won't I won't allude to perhaps him appearing in maybe other iterations of yep. Star of Stargate. 
No, and and nor would anyone draw any lines to those kind of conclusions based mm. on the way that you just phrased that sentence. <laughs> I will go, although in, in response to that, I will give a spoiler alert for Wonder Woman 1984. So skip ahead, I don't know, the next 30 seconds uh, because I'm going to reference something that references Wonder Woman 1984 from now. I was at work the other day and Susie, who I work with on our radio show, you know that, Maddie, but for anyone listening, uh, one of the one of the breakfast talent that I work with, and we were talking off air, but in front of the rest of the team about Wonder Woman 1984, and she said, oh, um, I was so... I mean, oh, I don't want to ruin anything, but I, like, I really like the old wonder woman um i loved her back when it was on tv <laughs> and i really love old wonder woman do you do you know what i mean when i say that i loved old wonder woman but i also loved the new movie and i'm like yeah i get it and the rest of the guys go oh so she, is she does she cameo in it oh no i'm not saying that and they're like how could it how could it be anything else like you couldn't have made it more obvious um That's so fantastic. yeah not a good, not a good spoiler alerter uh, in in that instance for old Suze. But uh, anyway, <laughs> you did allude to something earlier, Mitch, that I wanted to touch on. Is, is oh, you the... said um, later in the episode, O'Neill wasn't very O'Neillish. Um, yeah, I did love him in the first half. There's like the the scenes of him and Kinsey, I think, were great. Like the fact that he he. At this point, he's just so openly hostile to Kinsey. I just found so entertaining. There was no pretense anymore. (laughs) Didn't have to pretend to like him. He's like, you're a piece of shit. I'm treating you like a piece of shit. I'm going to call my pal the sheriff, and he's going to drag you out of here, you piece of shit. Like, I just loved all the, (laughs) we're under new management line, all that kind of stuff. And then I loved that even, like, Kinsey later on, when he's, like, you know, um, going undercover for us, he's even so petty that he's, like, He's, he's going to want his belt back. Like, he's that guy. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to yeah, want yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Because, like, in my head, I'm like, oh, his wife probably bought him that belt or something like that. And I'm just like, you yeah. petty piece of shit. <laughs> we did get to O'Neill at the start, especially that scene, which is funny. Like, when I read through the synopsis before, half of the synopsis basically was just the setting of the prologue. I'm like, I don't feel like the synopsis needs to revolve that much around that scene. <laughs> but anyway, but that was excellent and there was no even like well there was a you know when he hung up the phone or he said to his sheriff friend oh we're on still on for poker yeah of course we are okay sick wasn't really worth the phone call but prior to that there were like three or four instances where i was even i was expecting knowing where it was going i was like oh this is the bit where jack says okay what have you got i don't want to believe you but just tell me why you're here he's like yeah i'm calling the cops obviously no don't do that because this he still picked up the phone and dialed it and just kept saying i'm sick of your shit mate i'm eight and a half seasons or seven and a half seasons into this show i'm not putting up with your shit anymore we have been betrayed by you and let down by you so many times there is a future version of you that we avoided that is also a dickhead like there is no version of you that is good for us um, and Jack was so good. His his counter to Kinsey in those, those first sort of fifteen minutes was so great. I think it was just at the end where there was that just rising the the defcons and all that sort of stuff. Where you know he was having some good back and forth between himself and that uh, and, and the and the Russian guy, but I don't know. There was just moments where he he was he was more than happy to escalate or to. I don't know, not voice his his opinion and, and his argument against the American side of, of the war, the American military taking those next steps. Like, I feel like mm. if he was still 
just regular old Colonel Jack O'Neill on SG1 and he was with Daniel or he was out there, you know, trying to get Kinsey or whatever, he would have made some great arguments as to why the Americans shouldn't be so quick to jump the gun. Yet, now that he's not on the team and he's having to wear his general pants, uh, he was like, yeah, we're going to DEFCON, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, dude, I think you're now the guy that, that you know, SG1 wouldn't be agreeing with. And I know that that's a character progression and his arc and he's changed roles now. He's no longer Colonel Jack O'Neill on SG1. He is Brigadier General Jack O'Neill. So he has to be more of that middleman between the SGC and, uh, and, and the White House. But at the same time, I was just like, I feel like old Jack wouldn't have been so quick to side with, you know, or so quick to just move on and accept that, hey, we might be going to nuclear war here and, and, mm. and raise no issue about it, at least on screen. And I'm fine if we yeah, don't get it Yeah, he was very by screen. the book. He was very by the book. Yeah, but allude to it having happened off screen and we didn't get that either. Mm. Yeah. Something, um, you were just talking about, you know, the references to Kinsey and uh, and referencing like 2010 with the, the future version of him and stuff like that. Something I noticed was interesting is Ronnie Cox, the actor, has always gotten a and Ronnie Cox as Senator Kinsey, you know, Vice President Kinsey, President Kinsey, like he's always gotten his, you know, the, the as part of his time. His, for his final episode, he just got Ronnie Cox. There was no... Oh, really? And, I mean, obviously he has no title, so they, I mean, they could have gone and Ronnie Cox as Robert Kinsey. Like, you know, they could have yeah. done that. But it was just Ronnie Cox, no and, no as, no nothing. It was just Ronnie Cox, which I found really odd. Yeah. Especially for his final appearance. Yeah, especially for a last one, yeah. And, mm. and maybe maybe what you were saying before was like, it's left ambiguous, but then they, we don't end up seeing him. Maybe they don't, you know, yeah. at the time, think that it is going to be his last. Maybe they know, they know, even though it ended up not being true. Maybe they know that it's not his last. But at the same time, why not still keep him as an and? Because yeah. that's always the one you want to see. You know, once you get into like, you know, the secondary characters, then you wait and get it with blah, blah, blah. And blah blah blah, and you're like, oh shit, yeah, yeah. this is gonna be cool. Because you think that those be guys part of his negotiation, like when they get him to come back, they're like, that's you know, mm. I know that's something um, Lincoln gets a lot of. Like I, I, I notice a lot of the work he does, he, you know, he gets that extra credit. It's and Lincoln Lewis or or Lincoln Lewis, mm. like he gets that little bit of extra credit put in there. Um, yeah, yeah, you know. So it's it's weird for them to have taken it away for that. I mean, I don't know if there was some weird thing where it was like, well, because he only plays Kinsey for half the episode, and the other half he plays a Guauld. Maybe they there was some weird union rule where he, they couldn't put as <laughs> yeah, Senator yeah. Kinsey without putting as Kinsey slash Guauld. I I don't know. Yeah. Like, and that would have obviously ruined the ruined the surprise. But yeah, I just I found it quite interesting. As Kinsey and spoiler, yeah, and Deborah's like, oh great, now we're waiting. For or something. just as Kinsey question mark, <laughs> <laughs> just to really screw with us, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, on I mean, on the plus side, at this point now, like, we're after this episode, we're like a pedophile's dick in a playground. Like, we can only go up from here. Like, Whew. the rest of this. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> We, it took the long way to get there, but we got there. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to fill the gap. There's no Gibson brother here, so I'm like, I've got to, I've got to get <laughs> yeah, no, something. There's, yeah, there's a lot of work for you to cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I mean, from this point to the end of the season, it's just go, 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 go. We've got Citizen Joe. We've got, we've got, um, 
Threads and the two-parter and then Mobius. Like, mm. that's it. There's only, like, five episodes left of this season. Like... Yeah. And they're all gold. They're all they're all fantastic. So That's um, what you want. You want to finish well. Like, well, God, you know, you can... Start well all you like, or in the middle have a have an up and down sort of middle. But yeah, you got to, as long as you finish strong. Because yeah, I don't have you, you know when we look back at the seasons, even as we have done so far, as early as the podcast might have been, we look at you know you really look at SG one as seasons one to eight, and then seasons nine and ten. Like there's no yeah. through, through you know a lot of the characters carry over, but there's such a definitive line and and border almost between yeah. the end of episode of season eight and the beginning of season nine so um i guess in a way this is yeah we've got five more episodes of you know no disrespect to the actors that do come in for a nine and ten but the end of proper sg1 that we've got mm. five killer episodes to go or five memorable ones at the well and least. i mean and i mean even atlantis is really like next week's episode that we're going to do is is the one I've been basically flogging this entire season which is before I sleep which is you know yeah. potentially going to be my number one of of the season in our rank even Atlantis from this point it just goes up and up and up I mean some people have issues with episodes like Gift and Letters from Pegasus but all in all as like five episodes ramping up in Atlantis and the other five in, yeah. in SG1 it's all it's all good gear it's all good gear well, let's hope we can also be on the up and up and actually be back next week, Matty. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Well, I think the thing is, and again, this doesn't mean much if you're not listening live, but if you are listening live, we're, we're, we're at a point where we're just, you know, hey, look, you know, we're trying to be good to you guys. You guys have, you know, it's been a tough year for everybody and, and we've had so much support and people still listening to the show and writing in more and, you know, saying they're enjoying the show and then it's been a good thing. I mean, it's good, been a good thing for us actually doing it in the in the weeks that we've done it and the months that we've done mm. it. And, you know, for a long while there, we were really there every week. But, um, you know, uh, it's also good to hear from other people saying that they've also enjoyed and really look forward to us doing it as much as we've really enjoyed and look forward to recording them. So um, we want to, you know... We also want to be done with 2020. We want to make 2021 better. So hopefully we'll, uh, you know, we've left behind the multiple weeks off and we will be back next week. And I'm excited about that too because, again, I've mentioned it a thousand times, I am the first time Atlantis watcher. So like you said, you've been talking about this episode for a long time and now I get to finally watch it for the first time. So, yeah, yeah, uh, chew those fingernails for the next seven days before you find out what I really think of that particular episode and hope to Christ that I like it. Just watch the episode and in one ear, just have the soundtrack to Back to the Future. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Well, that is uh, episode 178 of Get In The Gate. As we said, we will be back next week for Before I Sleep. Back to the Pegasus Galaxy for Stargate Atlantis. In the meantime, I mean, we've had some people since our last our last podcast, uh, if you are listening live, like I said, re-listen to the entirety of our podcast series, which is, you know, not quite at 200 episodes. We're getting mighty close. So for those people, I feel sorry mm. for you. You might need professional help. If not before, definitely after re-listening to us in the space of five weeks. But also we freaking love you for it so thank you if you haven't done that you've missed some episodes along the way or you've just jumped on board get into gate a stargate podcast on your favorite podcasting outlet jump on the socials you can find out why i so horribly tease our socials and our podcasts on them um <laughs> get into gate a stargate podcast on facebook twitter and instagram and also uh jump on to if you want to send us a long form email and have a good chat 
Send us some questions, things you're looking forward to. Help, give us your own ranking um, so far. Or for the full Season 8 of SG1 and Season 1 of SGA, get into gate at gmail.com. And if you want to be at full alert, jump on our Patreon. There was nowhere else to go, and I loved what you did with it. (laughs) (laughs) So a shout-out to some of our new patrons. Well, I mean, they've been there a while, but uh, we haven't been here to give them a shout-out. So I wanted to shout-out to uh, Beck Ray, uh, Daniel Moffat. Oh, this one's going to kill me. Amaram Misney. Just going to roll straight straight through that one. Amram! Amram! Russell Mead, Jake... Horton, Houghton, Houghton, Horton, Horton, Horton. There's no R, but we'll get that. And uh, and also welcome to Greta Isrit. So welcome, guys. New year, new podcast. So uh, here we go. Bang, bang, bang. It's all coming. So uh, it's going to be good. And now, uh, if you're if you're missing the Gibson Brothers, do you want me to just uh, end the podcast on like a Gibson Brothers esque pickup line that I heard the other day? Yeah, why not, mate? So Let's go for it. <clears throat> see if it works on you. See if see if this is work on you. Hey, are you in American public school? Because I'd like to shoot kids in you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That really, that's Gibson Brothers territory. Wow. That's dark. Yeah. Oh, shit. I mean, you know, if you're Ricky Gervais and you're like, hey, you can laugh at anything, you can make jokes at anything, you're not laughing at the subject you're laughing at the what does he say you're laughing at the target of the subject i don't know like it's a funny line (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's why it's funny because it's so uncomfortable uh yeah (laughs) anyway for all our american listeners you can contact uh, maddie at high pitch maddie (laughs) on (laughs) hey look hey look you know since since we've spoken to our honest. American... I'm just being honest, guys, and honesty. I'm just being honest, mate. Honesty is like, honest. like a 10-inch dick. Hard to take, but sometimes you just need it, you know? <laughs> See? Better. Good still. Good still. See? And look, hey, look, all, all, all love to our American uh, listeners. Uh, yeah, it's a weird time in your country. I know that like 98% of you are like just normal functioning human beings. And, you know, mm. the other 2% are split down the middle and just like eating each other alive but since the last time we spoke to you you know we've we've had people like try and take over the capital you've had a new president come in it's all happening um so we uh, did it joe you know, hey. we did it joe <laughs> we did it and hopefully it, you know i know covid you guys and and the uk and a bunch of other places but namely those two uh are just eating your ass at this stage so power on power through and get past all this shit and let's all get back to normal and thanks for listening to us through all this madness of shit that's all i want to say so uh you know stay safe to everybody what's jerry springer say Mm. look after yourselves and each other anyway we will be back before i sleep next week for getting into gate more stargate atlantis mark it in maddie we're definitely back next week no ifs or buts about it we're doing it I'm the one that's here every week. You guys are the ones yeah. that are like, oh, we have wives and children. Like, that's some kind of excuse. Yeah, well, okay. For anyone who stuck around at the end of the podcast, <laughs> just to add to that, during the week, I did announce, uh, I've got a fourth kid coming. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah you're bringing, dro- I dropping figured, another sucker in this mess. I figured I wasn't busy enough. Uh, so uh, I'm going to be yeah. a father of four by June. 
and I'll be a father of a daughter finally. So that's time. new. So it's I may new. as well be starting all this process over again because I've got no idea what I am yeah. doing. So um, anyway, you the know, next six you know what po- you are doing is is the day you bring your little girl home, you're going to sit her down. And you, as a father and daughter, are going to watch some emancipation together. <laughs> and that, and that, and that one scene from *Children of the Gods* where Carter goes, "Just because my reproductive organs are on the inside instead of the outside," and then you yeah. basically raise the perfect child. You, do, you can just check out at that point. Be like, you're done. I will show her emancipation, and I'll say, "Look, little sweetie, this this teaches you a very important and valuable lesson. This right here." This is a bad episode of television, and now you know. This is how this is how not to have a knife fight with a Mongolian. <laughs> and you're going to get to a point in your life where you're going to have a knife fight with a Mongolian, and this is not how you do it. Get into geek.